God together in our time here together. I invite you to open to John 15, where we have been at, where we'll be just for a short time longer. John chapter 15, as we've been looking at the series Abide in Me. Today, we're talking about pruning and uh, pruning for fruitfulness. We'll be looking at John chapter 15 from uh, verses 1 through 3, verse 8, and also in Hebrews chapter 4, we will get to as well this morning, looking at this topic of pruning. I invite you to follow along as I would read from John chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 3. Jesus, again, and I trust it's getting familiar more and more as we read this multiple times. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes or cleans so that it will be even more fruitful. Verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word, and as we'll read more uh, throughout the morning together. You know, the topic of pruning can be kind of a scary thing. Um, In a natural way, I remember the first time I saw a tree and somebody pruning, um, I thought, what in the world is going on? I thought for sure that they had absolutely no idea what they were doing, And I thought for sure that they had killed it. Um, It kind of resembled, I found uh, this picture uh, from a website uh, from the University of Illinois. It kind of resembled this, like the one on the left, the before pruning, you see there's lots of branches, there's lots of shoots up. And and when I, at least at my uh, beginning time of understanding uh, the health of a tree. I figured the bigger and the fuller and the more branches, that meant the better the tree was and the healthier it was. And then to see somebody prune for the first time and it come into the after, I thought, what in the world are they doing? It had something good before. Look how big in that, that thing is. Bigger is better, right? Or so I thought. <laughs> after pruning, smaller cut down. How is that a good thing? But as I began to understand that pruning is an intentional process of removing branches and removing stems and removing even flowers in order to promote health, in order to promote growth, in order to promote fruitfulness of a plant, I began to understand the purpose and the necessity. And when... I began to see then a tree that was pruned be flourishing and more fruitful, kind of like this, the before pruning. That looks like a pretty good looking tree. And it's from the green tree, doctor. And the middle, all that stuff of how to do it, way farther than me. But look at what happens three months later. When somebody who really knows what they're doing goes to the work of pruning and cuts away, there is this amazing result that takes place before and after greater fruitfulness as a result of pruning. We've said on a number of times in this series and Jesus reminds us in chapter 15, verse one, that he's the true vine where we get our life and my father, the father is the gardener. The father is the master gardener. 
who, as a gardener, utilizes pruning in a natural sense in the plants and the trees that they are caring for, so the Father utilizes spiritual pruning in our lives to maximize fruit-bearing, to maximize the character of Jesus being formed in us more and more and more, and maximizing the fruit that is produced through us as we join him on mission, that the works of Jesus flow through us more and more. Pruning is a natural action and a loving action that the Father does, even though it may seem scary, but it is a loving, caring action. So that, if you find sermon notes, here's the big idea today, and you may want to wait until we get all the way through this to be able to write all these down. But through this, the big idea that pruning, spiritual pruning that the Father does in our lives, moves us from no fruit. If you see in verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, to fruit while every branch continuing on that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that he can move us to become even more fruitful, so that it will be even more fruitful. And lastly, so that as in it says in verse 5, that you will be able to bear much fruit. And verse 8 says much fruit. And if you even want to add one more on there, skip ahead to verse 18 or verse 16. It says, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will, what does it say if you have it? Last or endure. Fruit that will last. Lasting fruit could be one more that you throw on there. Pruning moves us from no fruit to fruit or some fruit, some translations will say, to more fruit, to much fruit, and even the ultimate goal, lasting fruit, fruit that will last for the glory of the Father and for his kingdom and the good of others. So this morning we want to look for a few moments at how the Father prunes us and then want to take a few more moments to see how we undergo, how we receive that work of pruning. So First thought this morning, first of the two ideas, is that we would understand the work of pruning. Understand the work of pruning. And there's two main works in the natural realm and two main works that the Father does in the same way in our lives in this work of pruning. The first is that he clears off and he cleans up. The Father clears off, it's a clearing off work, and it's a cleaning up work. The words for cuts off in verse 2 and prunes or cleans. Verse 3 says you are already clean. The words for cuts off and prunes or cleans are, are very similar in Greek. And one commentator believes that this was an intentional play on words by Jesus, by John as he would have written it. It was an intentional play on words for the pruning work that the Father does. In the natural realm, in the winter, a gardener skillfully cuts off or clears off the dry and withered branches. So imagine a plant at the end of the growing season. It's coming to fall and into the winter. Everything that is dried up, everything that is withered is pruned off. It's cut off. You look at it, it would make sense. The things that don't have life in them, the gardener would cut off. It's a clearing off. It's a cutting off of those things that are dry and withered. 
In the spring, the gardener in the natural realm then begins to remove or to clean up, similar to if you go to the barber or a hairdresser, cleaning up, cutting off all the things that are out of place, all those things, the useless growths, the useless offshoots that are not going to bear any fruit. And a master gardener knows the difference between this is going to grow and produce fruit and this is not. Because the things that don't produce fruit, those useless offshoots, those useless growths, do nothing but begin to hinder and weigh down and complicate the life of the plant. They begin to suck energy from the vine so that what could be fruit bearing does not get as much energy, as much nutrients, as much water as those things that are just those useless offshoots. And so that master gardener in the spring is able to tell and able to see these are the things that are not going to. And so he will cut off or she will cut off those useless growths, those useless shoots that are sucking life out of what could be receiving life to bear fruit. A gardener will clear off, cut off in the winter and clean up in the spring. In the same way, our father, the master gardener, will cut off, clear off the dead, useless branches, the withered branches in our lives, and will clean off those gross, those things that are sucking the spiritual energy out of us. He'll take off those burdens those concerns, those things that weigh us down, those worries that make us anxious, those things that don't have the power to change but rather discourage us. They're the things that are out of our control that we hold on to and we try to do it our way. And so they they weigh us down. And they're the things that ultimately suck the spiritual life in us dry as we worry or as we are anxious about them. And so as we abide in Jesus, the Father will use his word. As it says in verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He will use his word. He will use the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He will use other believers in our lives. He'll use times of worship, times of sitting in his presence to lift off, to clean up, to cut off these things that are sucking energy, that are weighing us down, that are bringing us low and discouraging us. And he will minister to us to prune us and to take these things off of us. I don't know if you've ever experienced those kinds of times where you're reading the word of God and something clicks and you're like, oh, that's what I needed to hear. And all of a sudden there's like a burden got lifted off of you. That, that is the cleaning off. That's the clearing off. That's the cutting away of the things that are sucking energy. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't need to worry about that anymore. That's the father's job. That's Jesus's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's not my job. Oh, thank you, Lord. I am so grateful that you showed me that. Or in times in, just, in worship or in times with the Spirit's ministry or times when you're in conversation with other believers, there'll be that word or that presence of the Lord that just lifts something off. You don't even know what it is. You can't describe it. You just say, I, I don't have that anymore. It's off of me. That burden is no longer there. And you walk away. You say, I feel lighter. I feel more joyful. I feel more energy in the Lord. That's the pruning work. That's the kind of pruning that we love to receive (laughs) because that's the kind of 
pruning that he just cares for us and cleans us off, wipes us clean, fresh, takes those things that have been weighing us down off. There's another kind of work, and it's the kind of work that we see in that, those pictures, and it's the work of cutting back, of cutting back. If Keep your finger in John 15, if you would, and move uh, to the book of Hebrews. If you're in John, you'll go to Acts, Romans, 2 Corinthian letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Timothy's. You'll come to the next big book is Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to specifically look at verses 4 through 11, but just to get the context, I want to read from verse 1 through 11. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 12 begins in verse 1 and says, Therefore, this is after the, the chapter on faith, the hall of faith, all of these people who excelled in faith and God used them miraculously. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these who have gone before us, let us throw off everything that hinders. This is that cleaning off. This is that um, being able to clear off and cut off stuff that the Lord does. Let us, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's fix our eyes, not on the problems, not on the concerns, not on the worries. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith, who himself for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This is important, verse three. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse four. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood as Jesus did. And you found verse and you have forgotten verse 5 that the that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons, sons and daughters, my son do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 12. So as a result, verse 7, endure hardship with Jesus as our, as our example, as our forerunner. Endure hardship as discipline. God's treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And if you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not true sons. Verse 9, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful and later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The, the work of pruning also involves intentional cutting back. Commentator Tony Lewis, Dr. Tony Lewis, um, says common, that, uh, that the harsher the cutting back, the more fruitful the plant will become. 
Do you hear that? The harsher the cutting back, the more fruitful the plant will become. And so to accomplish this, the Father uses hard circumstances and trials to cut areas in our lives back. Hebrews 12 refers to this as as discipline. Sometimes this discipline is a correction that is needed to rescue us from a sinful practice, a sinful habit, some way that we are, are erring, some way that we are walking not in the ways of God. And so God will use lovingly discipline in our lives to get our attention and to say, come back into the right ways, to bring us to a place of restoration through repentance. He'll cut things out of our lives to be able to get our attention and to bring us back to restoration so that we will grow into greater fruitfulness. There's areas of disease in our soul that need to be cut out. But sometimes this discipline is a breaking of our self-dependence so that we become more God-dependent. Sometimes this discipline has nothing to do with a sinful practice that we have. It is more training us to trust the care and the leading and the work of the Father in our lives, to break us of dependence on ourselves so that we are brought to more dependence in the Father, so that we are more dependent upon the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pastor and author A.W. Tozer said this. You may have heard this. That God has never used a man or a woman that he has not first broken. God has never used a man or woman that he has not first broken. Think of Noah breaking him over time in obedience. Think of Abraham and the journey that he had. Think of Joseph and the years in prison. Think of Moses and the years in the desert. Think of Paul. Think of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And over and over and over, there are biblical examples of people that God has first broken of their self-dependence before he used them for his glory. And so... God will prune, he will cut back areas of our lives like a good coach in athletics or a good animal trainer, whether a dog or a horse trainer. The father will use hard trials, will use hard circumstances. Some of them he causes, some of them he actually leads us into. Sometimes he will lead us into hard things so that we are broken of our self-dependence and we have to lean on him in greater ways. He cuts back areas through them. Other times, it's the brokenness of the world. Sometimes it's the actions of others that he's not leading us in, but he will take those things and he will use them for good in us to cut back areas in our lives. One pastor friend of mine said, whenever I'm offended by the actions of others, and they may be clearly in the wrong, if I'm offended, it should be a sign to me that there's something in my flesh that's still alive (laughs) that I need to kill and that the Father wants to cut back in me. Rather than it's that person's fault, it's, Lord, why is that grating me? Because, he said, a person who's dead cannot be offended. And what he meant by that, a person who is dead to our flesh cannot be offended by another person. And so sometimes he will, he will lead us into things that will just break us. And other times he will allow the circumstances and the people around us and the things that he would 
more likely intend not to happen to us to use it to cut back areas. But understand, and this is where sometimes we think, boy, how pruning is so scary. Understand that it always comes from the hand of a loving, caring father. Just as the author of Hebrews says, when we are true sons and daughters, we are treated with discipline because a good father disciplines his sons and his daughters. It may not be something that we are signing up for. And we may say, Lord, why do I have to endure this? But he knows as a good father what will be needed to cut back in our lives so that greater fruitfulness will come. The Lord has done this many times in my life, but the one that I keep coming back to is and this kind of pruning was early on in my ministry life. I, the Lord cut back stuff, and I didn't realize just how much I had adopted kind of a self-effort, worldly kind of ministry focus that was just like, if you do all the things right, you do A, B, C, and you know you do all this, all this stuff, that then there's going to be fruit that's going to come. And there were things that were happening that were kind of good, but spending time with the Lord, he was just breaking me of stuff, and he was cutting back stuff, and it was painful, but it was good. And in a time of prayer, and a time of worship with the Lord personally, he gave me a picture of a wrecking ball that knocked everything down. <laughs> and he said, this is everything you've been building, and I'm coming and I'm knocking it down, and now I'm going to build it. That was, a, that was a humbling thing, but you know what? That was the best thing. And in the moment, it did not feel like, oh, God, what are you doing? It was like, oh, thank you. Because <laughs> he lifted all the burden, and he said, it's not up to you. It's up to me. So God will cut things back in our lives. He will allow circumstances and trials so that we will have greater fruit. Sometimes things have to die in us in order for greater fruit to come. It's the way the Father works. Sometimes we just need to be cleared off, cut off the stuff that's weighing us down and cleaned up. Other times we need things cut back so that there's greater growth. So what do we do? How do we respond to this? This is where we want to look at the last, for the last few minutes. How do we respond? Well, we surrender. We surrender to pruning's work. We don't resist it. We don't fight it. We surrender to it because it's worth it. If you go back to John chapter 15, for a moment, it's just a reminder. Verse fifteen, one: I'm the vine, true vine. My Father is the branches, which means we have to trust the Father. We have to trust the Father. We have to surrender to the Father's pruning work in us, and that requires that we trust Him. It requires that we trust that He's good. It requires that we trust that He loves us and cares for us. It requires that we come to a place that we know that what he's doing and the pruning that he is doing is for our good and that it will produce good fruit. Sometimes it may not make sense. Sometimes we may have to wrestle it out with the Father. I don't understand why this is happening, why you're doing this. I'm not even sure if I can trust you in this. But trusting that the Father is good and that he does love us and he does care for us and that he knows what needs to be pruned in order for greater fruitfulness to come. Trusting the Father.
my mind can sometimes be kind of weird. My children know that. My family knows that. But as I was doing this, I was thinking, I wonder, have you ever seen shows, like TV shows or movies, where it's like either a baby or some kind of thing, and they kind of give a voice to it? I wonder what a plant or a tree would say if they could speak when they were coming in the process of pruning. That's my weird mind. Could you imagine for a moment, it's late winter, or late fall, early winter, and that tree has dead stuff all over it? Or it's early spring and they're weighed down by all these useless growths and offshoots and they're just, it's getting driven down into the dirt because there's so much weight and like, I can't get this stuff off of me. And they see the pruner, the gardener come and gently, it's, it's, it's painful, but there's things getting cut off, but all of a sudden it's like springing back up to life and that thing is going, thank you. It's my weird mind, I know. But that moment that that plant's like, ah, I've been waiting for you to come. Thank you for coming. Thank you for cutting it off. It's exactly what I needed. Let's lift it off. But then there's those times when here comes the pruner with the big clippers, maybe even a saw, and that plant is going, whoa, 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 whoa. I like the smaller clipper. I liked it when you had just a little knife and you were just cutting things off gently. What are you bringing out the big guns for? Go back, go back, go back. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, you get the saw, the big, you know, and, and you got the, he's like really having to get the, and that plan is just screaming, what are you doing? Stop it, it hurts. I, I just wonder if, the, if a plant could speak, if they would say, I'm not sure I can trust you. And if it was up to me pruning, they may have a very good point. I don't know if I can trust you. But one who really knows what they're doing, I wonder if they would say, I don't know if I can trust you. And yet how much different would we be? And how much different are we? When the Father comes to prune us, there are those days where we're like, thank you, I needed that lifted off. I needed that cut off and cleaned off. Thank you. But when he brings out the big pruners and he starts to hack away at the big stuff of our lives, the things that we really like, really, really hold on to, and we start to say, I don't think you know what you're doing. Those are the moments where we can sing all the time, you're a good, good father, but where we are really tested in our belief of do we trust and do we believe that he's a good, good father who loves us and cares, us, cares for us and knows what he's doing. That's pruning's work. And it's in those moments that we have to surrender to it, not resist it and fight it, but surrender to it. Surrendering to pruning's work requires, too, that we endure hardship and pain. It's back to Hebrews 12. It says specifically that we must endure hardship. It's not pleasant. It's, Hebrews even says it's painful. But the result that comes is righteousness, peace, and a strong assurance that, yes, indeed, we are his children. It's enduring it. You know, it may be that you're here, and for some time you've been resisting hardship and pain. You may have been blaming other people for it. 
You may have been assuming, oh, this is spiritual attack. You may have been complaining about it. You may have continually been trying to pray it away, and it doesn't seem that anything's changing. If you're in that spot, may I suggest that maybe it's not other people, and maybe you shouldn't be blaming, and maybe it's not spiritual warfare. Maybe this is the Father seeking to prune you. And what you've been trying to avoid in hardship and trial and pain, he's actually saying, surrender to this. I'm trying to do something and you're trying to fight me off on it. You're trying to resist it. And I can tell you personally and from the testimony of many other people, the longer you fight it, the stronger it comes because God wants fruitfulness in us. And if we resist it and fight it, he will, because he's a good father and this doesn't always make sense to us, he will turn up the intensity of the discipline until we get to the point where we say, okay, I surrender to it. Cut out what you need to cut out. Cut off, clear off, clean up whatever you need to do. Rather than fight against it, Lord, I receive it. And it may be that we have to get to that place where we don't have anything left in us to resist before we will actually let him cut away. That's not an easy word to hear, is it? But there may be times, and, and so if you're in this place and you've been, you know, there's been hardship and pain and difficulty, it, it may absolutely be spiritual warfare. It may be something that the Lord wants to take off of you. But if you've been praying for it and praying for it and praying for it and nothing has happened, it may be time to ask the Lord, is this something that you want me to really consider, not to push away, but to let you do it and to consider, Lord, is this your pruning work in me? I can't tell you that. Maybe gather some people around you to pray and discern together, but the Lord will tell you if it is. But in the midst of it, don't push away. Endure hardship. Endure pain. It's not pleasant, but it produces righteousness, peace, and that strong assurance that we're his children. Third thought on how to surrender, on what to do to surrender, and that's adjust to change. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Surrender requires adjusting to change. How do I know that? Plants do. When something gets cut off, they adjust to it. It's the new reality in that plant. It's been cleared off, cleaned off, cut back. They adjust to it. Even after part of them is missing. I will tell you, I am maybe person number one greatest offender, I don't like change. And I, I would venture to say that the majority of us do not like change. But what a lot of us do, and what I will do, we'll say, is we try to fight to return to what it was like and resist the change. When change has come, we try to get back to what it was like before the change happened. I think about covid and in the early days of COVID, in the last, you know, 18 months ago almost now, in the early days of COVID, there was a lot of, okay, Lord, use this for good. I, 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 when was the last time, you, you know, use it to change us? 
Whatever you want to do out of this, start something new. I'm not sure when I heard it last of like, okay, Lord, use COVID as it continues to hang around. Use it to change us. What I hear most from us is, boy, I can't wait till life is what? Back to normal. What if, what if God has been wanting to change things and we instead have been saying, I can't wait till it gets back to the way it was before? What if, what if he wants to use this whole pandemic mess to change the way we live individually and as families and as church family? What if he wants to use it to change us? to change the way life is? What if he wanted to make us less self-dependent, more God-dependent? What if he wanted us to be less busy so that we would have more time and space for him and for others and for mission? What, What if? What if he shut down certain programs because he wants there to be other ways to accomplish mission? What if, what if, what if? And so I, I wanna, I'm asking myself, and I would encourage you to ask this question. Since COVID has started almost 18 months ago, have you made any God-directed changes in your life? Have there been any God-directed changes in your life? And if not, ha, is there something that he wants to do, wants to change in the way that you live, in the way that you operate as a result of this? One pastor, Jim Rudd, who was one of the speakers at Mahaffey Camp, heard about what he said. He said, when it comes to pruning and when it comes to change, God cuts areas off, branches off, and we try to go back and pick them up and stuff them back in the vine. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think we could all say, yeah, I've tried to do that before. God cut something out and I want to go grab it and I want to go try to reinsert it and bring it back. Maybe he cut it off for a reason. No one likes it. Change is a reality, and pruning will bring change. So surrendering to its work requires we adjust to it. Lastly, keep the end in view. In surrendering to pruning's work, keep the end in view. Look what verse 8 says This uh, of John 15. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my, desire, my, my disciples. Surrendering to pruning is much easier when we keep the end result in view. As Jesus, he, he kept in view the glory that was going to come, the salvation that was going to come. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we keep in view what God intends for it to happen, that there would be much fruit for the Father's glory, that we would show to the world that we are his disciples for his glory. And Hebrews twelve eleven that we read reminds us that this fruit is a harvest of righteousness and peace, as I've said. In other words, that the character of Jesus is in us being produced, and the works of Jesus are being displayed more and more through us. That's the end. This is the purpose. This is the reason that God would use pruning to bring us from no fruit to some fruit, to more fruit, to much fruit, to lasting fruit, that he would do this work in us. This is why we're going through it. And it's much easier when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and fixed on the end in sight. How many have seen, it's been a while now, the movie Karate Kid? 
like the original movie, Karate Kid. You know, Daniel and Mr. Miyagi, you know, and wax on and wax off and paint the fence and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's this great scene with uh, Daniel. He has his his bike's been stolen and beat up and all kind of stuff. And he comes home and the, the bike's been repaired. Mr. Miyagi had fixed the bike for him. Made it shiny, almost like it was new. And he goes to find him and Mr. Miyagi's in there and he's, he's cutting something. Do you remember this part? Cutting a bonsai tree. It's not the greatest image in the world, but that green blob is a little tree, a bonsai tree. And that bonsai tree would be this, this way to create art. As you have this tree out there, it's, it grows, it's got all kind of gross all over the place. And then you trim it and cut it and prune it to be able to shape it the way you want to. And Daniel said, well, what do you do? Ask Mr. Miyagi, what do you do? And he said, all right, close, look at the tree, close your eyes, and picture a tree. He said, think only tree. Just three words of advice. Think only tree. He's like, do you have the picture? Yes. So open your eyes. He's like, all right, do you see the picture that you had of that tree and what it is right now? Yes. And he said, start working and make this, what it is, into the picture that you saw. Cut away everything that isn't in that picture that you had. Friends, I would propose to you that way more than bonsai trees and Mr. Miyagi, that there's a spiritual lesson we can take from that, and that is this, that the Father has a picture of your life and my life. And he knows what it needs to look like. Romans 8, after saying he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that purpose being that we would be predestined to the image and likeness of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a picture of my life and your life if you're a follower of Jesus, he has a picture of what your life has already been predetermined to look like, and it's the life of Jesus. And he is taking our lives, and he is cutting back areas that don't match up with that so that greater fruit can come. It's this work of pruning. He knows what he's doing. He has the end in view, and he is cutting away, and he knows what he needs to cut back so that it'll grow out and fruit will come from no fruit to some fruit to more fruit to much fruit to lasting fruit, he knows what he's doing. And I say that because we can trust him. He's a good father. And he's a really good gardener. So today, I, I don't know any of where these things have landed in your heart. But may I submit to you this morning that we would just simply say, Lord, you're the pruner. I'm going to stay connected to Jesus, the true vine. And would you be free? If there's some things I need to have cut off, just lift it off, cleaned off, because I'm weighed down, burdened, and there's things I'm holding on to, I need to be lifted up, do that work. If there's some cut and work that you need to do so there'd be much fruit, have your way. But that we would submit ourselves to the shears, to the clippers of the master pruner, the master gardener, the Father's good. We can trust him. And we pray as the worship team will come to close.